He's here this morning and he's got his arms stretched out to every one of us. If you've never ran to him before, you can run to him today. You can say to yourself, well, yeah, but you don't know what kind of person I've been. You don't know what kind of person I was. <laughs> before Jesus got a hold of me, and he said to me, he said, just come as you are. And I did. And I came to the Lord just as I was. And the beautiful thing is I keep running to him again and again and again. Every time I mess up, every time I don't really hit the bar that I want to hit, God just says, come to me again, Kevin. Come to me again. And the beautiful thing is that he's always there with his arms outstretched. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We stand before him, in him, free. And a lot of times the world wants to, you know, the biggest thing nowadays is, thanks to good old social media, is we, we shame people, right? We marginalize people. What do they call it? They uh, cancel. They cancel people. You know, the society wants to measure you by your worst day, Right? How many of us not got how, how God works? Amen? Because if any of us got measured by our worst day, ain't none of us qualified, right? But God says, I'm doing a work in you, and I who have began the work in you will be faithful to complete it. Amen? Amen? Will he be faithful to complete it? Amen. Father, we just receive the gift that, Father, uh, you are to us. Father, I thank you that, Lord, you... You have made it so that, God, any of us can come to you. And that, Father, you'll receive us. And we don't have to become something to be loved by you. But, Lord, because we're loved by you, we can become something. And so, Father, we thank you for that truth and that revelation today. And, Father, we ask, God, that you would just encourage and build and strengthen through the word. Help us understand what an incredible gift you've given us in fathers. And, Father, we thank you for... The fact that you are the greatest example of fatherhood. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. You can be seated, but make sure you say happy Father's Day to a dad standing around you before you are. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Spencer, did you get up first thing this morning and say happy Father's Day to your dad? He was up before you were awake. Out the door before you were awake. Did you say it to him as soon as you got to the church? Happy Father's Day. Way to go, Spence. Appreciate it. Now, Spencer, give him a hug. Come on, bud. Give him a hug. Come on. All right. That, oh, it's not good. Come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to have you here today. Well, I thought I'd start the day with some humor. Is that okay? You know, I was... Uh, Every once in a while, I like to look through the uh, internet and find funny things, you know, that happen in church. And so today, I wanted to read you some church bulletin misprints. Read, read one, a list of these before, and I'm going to got a fresh one for you today. All right, are you ready? This found in church bulletins. Here we go. Bur- true. true, absolutely. Every one of them. Uh, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> uh, announcement in a church bulletin for a national prayer and fasting conference. The cost for attending the fast and prayer conference includes meals. 
<laughs> Miss Charlene Mason saying, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. <laughs> the peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. <laughs> oh, man. In the bulletin, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> uh, next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. <laughs> this is an oldie, but uh, Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She is also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. <laughs> Uh, during the absence of our pastor, we enjoyed the rare privilege of hearing a good sermon when J.J. Stubbs supplied the pulpit. <laughs> uh, the pastor will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth Into Joy. Uh, the ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind. They may be seen in the basement on Friday afternoon. <laughs> Uh, don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> and one last one, just to tie it into Father's Day. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worthy keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> All right, come on. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Good way to start. Amen. All right, so we're going to shift today from talking about the gifts because we've already talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we we're talking about the gifts of the Father from Romans chapter 12. We're not going to talk about the gifts of the Father. We're going to talk about the gift of Father. Can you put that graphic up there that I got? To, oh, I did it. You've got to be kidding me. Gord, why didn't you tell me that it happened? Come on, keep praying. Pray harder. Pray harder. There you go. There we go. You know, fathers, we're here to lead our children on the right path, right? Through all of the obstacles and difficulties of life, we're here to lead our children on the right path. So I found that graphic. I thought, that's pretty good. I'm going to put that up there. That's how we become a gift to our children is we help direct them. We're going to talk more about that this morning. So we're going to talk about the gift of fathers, the gift of fathers. According to Lifeway Research Group, Father's Day is the holiday with the single lowest church average attendance. Statistically lower than the states anyway, than Labor Day, Memorial Day, and Fourth of July weekend. Now this is interesting, especially when you consider that Mother's Day tends to be the third highest church attendance day after Christmas and Easter. Interesting, eh? So Mother's Day is one of the highest attended Sundays of the year, and Father's Day one of the lowest. What does this tell us? Well, uh, Scott McConnell of Lifeway Research, he gives this assessment. He said, clearly, on Mother's Day, mothers want to be present for the affirmation that's typically offered in most churches of their role in the work and the life that they submit and sacrifice for their families. And families are also present knowing that their attendance will honor mom, Right? The attendance difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day is telling either churches are guilty of being less effective at affirming fathers 
Or families believe Christian fathers don't value their participation in worship services as much as mothers. Now, there could be some other factors, including the time of year. Mother's Day, the weather's not quite as nice. Father's Day, in some areas, school's already out, right? So uh, Lucy was just telling us that in, in Washington, the school's out like the beginning of June, goes back in the beginning of August. Is that true? Sort of? But on Father's Day, you'd be out, right? Yeah. So, so maybe some of those things factor in there as well. But you know, it's an interesting stat, isn't it? According to the data collected by Promise Keepers, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one of their children in 50 would become a regular worshiper. Only one in 50. If a father does go regularly, regardless of whether mom does or not, between two-thirds and three-quarters of children will follow in their, in their father's faith. Isn't that interesting? Another survey found that if a child's the first person in a household to come to Christ, then about 3.5% probability that the rest of the family would come to Christ. If a mom comes to faith in, uh, in Christ, in a family, then there's about a 17% chance that the entire family would come to faith in Christ. But if the father is the first one to come to faith, there's a 93% probability that everyone in the household will follow in the faith. Wow. Now, here's the point of all these statistics this morning. Dad, your impact on a child's faith and a child's disposition toward God is huge. Is huge. Got another good slide for you this morning. Two boys talking. He says, are you related to anyone famous? Well, I don't want to brag, but I heard dad calling God his father. You know, what that tells us, though, is that when your kids hear you praying, Dad, yeah. it has an impact on their life. Even as simple as praying around the dinner table, you don't need to be Barry Miracle calling on every spiritual enemy in the world and getting up at five in the morning and calling on, I mean, don't get me wrong, if you do, that's great. But you know what? If, if you're kids hear you praying and calling out to God, trusting in God, speaking about God, it has an impact on their life, Dad. It has an impact on their life. One of the reasons suggested for the distinction, I mean, in, is that children tend to, between Mother's and Father's Day, and, and the, the kids coming to Christ, if the father does or mother does, one of the reasons is that kids tend to take their cues about domestic life from mom, while their conceptions about the outside world is often formed by dad. And so, in other words, if dad takes faith seriously, then the message to their children is that God should be taken seriously. You see what I'm saying? And so how many uh, were here when Desert Stream had their 13th anniversary? Let me see your hands. That was a long time ago, but it's like, believe it or not, it was like 15 plus years ago. So there was a few hands went up there. Good. Well, we, remember we constructed this bridge that we had at the front? Well, we had our church's bar mitzvah. Remember that? And so what we did was we had all of the uh, pastors' uh, spouses and elder spouses on one side, and then we had all the men on the other. Do you remember that? And then what we did is we, we had everybody in the church come and be, receive a blessing from the moms of the house, right? And, and then each person that was in the lineup uh, of the moms and the fathers of the house gave people their life verse, and they collected those life verses. And then we had them speak, a, the mothers speak a blessing over them. And then when they came over the bridge, we had the fathers prophetically speak into their future. 
And, and you know, think, wow, that sounds kind of gorky. Every single person in the building went through it. It took us two hours. Everybody remember that? took us two hours and nobody wanted to miss out on receiving the blessing or receiving the directive from a father either. And the reason we did that is because in a Jewish tradition, they often build that bridge and they have the child come over. And, and in Jewish tradition, it's mom's job to be the primary nurturer, to be the caregiver, to be the one who, who uh, is there for that child until they reach the age of their bar mitzvah, their they're, well, they're coming into adulthood. And then from then on, it's considered dad's job to be the one that speaks into the kid's identity and into their future. Is it any wonder that so many kids are confused today about who they are when you realize that, you know, so many homes, there's no dad there. And if he is there, he's only there part-time. Because dad's job is to speak into that kid's destiny. Now, that doesn't mean that dads don't have any responsibility to nurture before they're 13. It's like, oh, we, got, we're, we don't have any job to do at all until the kid reaches 13, then we'll step in and we'll save the day. No, it doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean that mom doesn't have any job in their life after they turn 13. It's like, well, she can wash her hands and say, now, now that junior high is dad's problem, not my problem. You know what I'm saying? That's not what it means at all. It simply is to help us understand the roles and the significant place that we play in a child's formation all the way through. And that it's our job as a dad, as a dad to do that, to speak into their identity. So crossing that bridge is used to symbolize in the Jewish tradition from child to adult, nurture to identity, mother to father. I think the Jewish culture has a pretty good understanding of fatherhood, of how important that is in a child's future. Several years ago when I was a youth pastor, I came across a book about youth parenting. It was built uh, upon a concept that was put forth by Dr. Jonas Salk. Anybody know who that was? It's the guy that invented the polio vaccine, right? And uh, anyway, he said this. He said, children need both roots and wings. Roots and wings. The first time I read that, I thought, that's weird, because roots hold something down, and wings are used to fly away. It seemed kind of almost, you know, at, at, at war with each other, those two concepts. But I realized that, in fact, it clearly sums up the primary responsibilities that we have as parents. One is to provide a safe, nurturing environment where our children can grow, where they can put down roots, where they can be established and be solid and be nurtured and cared for, and then prepare them for that day when they're going to leave the nest. We as parents have both those responsibilities. And in the years since then, um, I've come to see that the primary role of mom is to provide the roots. She's the one that is there to nurture them, to help them, to give them a sense of, of uh, value and, and, and to have a sense of belonging and a sense of safety in their life. And that's why usually when a kid scrapes their knee, they don't go run into daddy. They go run into mom and mom helps them and cuddles them. And I mean, if dad's there, he'll do as a substitute. We got him in the meantime. But, you know, or when they're sick, they want mom to take care of them. You know, they want mom to put the cold cloth on their forehead and all that kind of stuff. And mom's there for them. In our case, if they puke, then it was my job to step in because she says, well, I can't do that. You know, uh, but uh, you know what? You understand what I'm saying, right? And when you look at roots and you look at wings, 
Of course, the roots come first. When a child is young, they need to know that they're loved. They need to know that they're cared for. They need to know that, that I belong here, that I have, this is my family. This is my home. This, this is my people, and I'm loved by these people. And they need to know that. They need to know that. But then comes a point where we, in their life where we have, to, we have to help push them out of the nest. We have to give them wings. We need to equip every child with the skills necessary to succeed in the world and the self-confidence to take that leap out the door when the time comes. And listen to this. If that mothering, nurturing spirit holds on too long, if a child is coddled too long, and don't get me wrong, both mom and dad can be guilty of doing this, but if they're coddled too long, if they're not pushed out the nest, you end up stymieing their development and their growth. You actually are doing a negative thing to your child. Every time your kid gets picked on in school, if you march over to the neighbor's house and tie into that parent, that's a big mistake. You know how many times I've seen parents in churches at war with each other over their kids having a spat, and a week later the kids are fine and the parents hate each other for years? Wish I was making that up. And when a kid's really young, for their safety and their protection, yeah, you need to make sure that, you know, if a child's being picked on, you're reinforcing who they are and you're helping them establish something. And, and especially if, if, you know, the kids are being cruel or mean, you need to step in. But when they get older, you need to help them learn how to speak up and defend themselves and how to, how to be able to do that without violence or without, you know, how to have the right words, how to have the right skill sets. You help them do that. And every time you help them do that, you help them learn how to leave the nest. But if you coddle them their whole life, they never leave the nest. Got 35-year-olds sitting in their parents' basement in their underwear playing video games. You don't want that for your child. Right? So, Dad, you have a significant role in making sure that doesn't happen. You have a significant role in speaking into their identity of being the one who helps them formulate an understanding of who they are and how they fit into the world outside their family. Until they turned 13, so to speak, they, they were reaffirmed in their place in the family. Now it's your job to show them what their place is outside the family, to help them develop skill sets that are going to equip them to be able to work in the world, to give them the skill sets that are going to be required to, to be able to survive in this world. I was reading a book, a uh, parenting book recently because Mark and I want to do a course on parenting here in the fall. And so I've been reading the book and prep for that and came across a story of a, <clears throat> a lady who was talking to one of the authors of the book and, and uh, she's talking to him. And then while she's talking to him, one of the kids comes up and asks if he can have a dollar. And she says, sure. She pulls out her ledger, writes down the date, you know, loan one dollar and gives it to him. He says, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm He's got a loan. Oh, and so you're not just giving him the dollar. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, he has to, I, you know, we, we understand sometimes you, you haven't worked enough to get what you want, so you need a loan. And she said, but, so we give him a loan. And he said, do you charge interest? Sure. And then she said, uh, and what happens if they, if they miss the payment? She said, if they miss the payments and don't pay the loan back, then we, we go and we confiscate whatever it is that they we're buying. She said, my son, I, made, I gave him a loan for $30 so he could buy headphones. 
and he didn't do his chores and didn't do the things to make the money back, so I took the headphones. And uh, he said, wow, that's, that's pretty st uh, strict. And she said, maybe. But she said, see that uh, house across the street and that tow truck? And he goes, yeah, it's there to repossess that young man's car. And she said, my son's learning the lesson about how loans have to be paid back with $30 in headphones instead of 50000 in a car. Pretty cheap lesson at 30 bucks. And you say, well, I, I, you know, I don't think that's right. Couldn't you give the kids headphones for a birthday? Well, I'm sure she gives the kids things for the birthday. That wasn't the point. The point was that they're understanding economics when they're only 10 or 11 rather than have them listen, learn the lessons the hard way when they're an adult. And how many adults do we deal with that haven't learned those lessons? They were never formulated in their life. And here they are working in a profession, doing, you know, successful people and don't know how to handle finances. It's your job to help them. That's just one example. Do you see what I'm saying this morning? You still love me? <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> uh, only one person said, yep, that was Barry, so. <clears throat> <laughs> you see, in the Jewish world, once that boy reached 13, he would begin to apprentice in his father's business. He would start working in his dad's business. He would, if his dad was a carpenter, he would start working as a carpenter. He would start learning the skills of an adult. He would start watching his dad do business transactions. He would start learning all of those skills because dad is doing those things and he's learning to be like dad. And for the daughters, uh, when they turned 13, the dad would take on the role of protecting his daughter and begin to filter out all the many suitors that would come their way over the next number of years so that he could determine who would be suitable for her for a husband. Now, perhaps our modern way of thinking, this sounds kind of archaic, but it speaks to the role that they understood a dad was to play in both a son's and a daughter's life and how significant that was supposed to be. Dads, everything you do, everything you say has a profound impact on your children. Our words are powerful. They're powerful, especially when we're speaking them over our children. What they hear come from you is so, so important. I want to look at what Jesus heard his heavenly father say over him. A couple times in scripture. First, <clears throat> at Jesus' baptism, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them, they record Jesus' baptism. And at Jesus' baptism, the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove, right? And a voice from heaven speaks and says, this is my son whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. Right? Then later in Jesus' life, when he goes with Peter, James, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, right? We see Jesus transfigured before the disciples and they see this whole thing take place and then they hear a voice from heaven say again, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's a powerful declaration by a father made over a son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. My son, who I love, in him I'm well pleased. Now, what kind of an impact did the father speaking as he did over his son 
at both his baptism and on the Mount of Transfiguration have upon Jesus? Do we know what kind of an impact that had? Here's the interesting thing. We know exactly what impact it had because Peter records it for us in 2 Peter 1.17. For he, speaking of Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The disciples who spent their lifetime, their adult lifetime with Jesus and hung out with him, they knew that those words from the Father had a profound impact upon Jesus. And Peter's able to say that Jesus received honor and glory from his Father when he spoke those words over his life. This is my son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. Peter understood that it had a huge impact upon Jesus. Peter understood that. And what do we know from that? That Jesus knew, Jesus knew how his father felt about him. Jesus was secure in his father's love. We even hear it from Jesus' own lips. He says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Isn't that something? Jesus is able to say, as the Father has loved me, I love you. Now stay in my love. The Father loved and honored his Son, and the Son lived secure in that love and in that honor. Twice the the Father spoke from heaven in Jesus' life and said, this is my Son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. Let's look at those three statements. This is my Son, the Father said. This is my son. That's a word of affirmation. When you speak over a son or a daughter, say, you're my son, you're my daughter. You are affirming them both as their identity in your family, but their identity as a man or a woman. You're you're affirming who they are and who God made them to be. So that statement, this is my son, is a strong word of affirmation over that child's life. The second statement, whom I love. When Jesus' father spoke to him and said, whom I love, that was a word of affection. So not only is Jesus in that statement from his father being affirmed in who he is and his calling, but he's also receiving words of affection from his father, whom I love. And then the last one, in whom I'm well pleased, approval. Jesus received approval from his father as well. Approval. Approval from his father. Now let me ask you a significant question here this morning. If Jesus needed affirmation, affection, and approval from his father, how much more do our children need the same from their dads? Please let that settle into you this morning. Your children need, dad, they need you. They need you to affirm their identity. They need you to show them and demonstrate and speak affection. They need to know your approval. Even when they, you know, we, do, we start when they're young. You know, we get the kids helping us to clean something up. And even though you did 90% of the work and they did 10%, we praise them for the 10%. And when they're four, it's up to 30% of the work. And when they're seven or eight, it's up to half. And, you know, but by the time they're 13, they should be able to do the whole job with your supervision. If you're still picking up after your children when they're 13, you have a serious problem. Hello? Am I making any sense to anybody here? Right? You see, if we've been doing our job, one of those jobs is approval. We approve of their work. We approve of what they do. And then when they're an adult, 
they're able to function in that work. Whether it's something as simple as doing family household chores and daily life that needs to be done to their career and whatever it is they choose to do for a living. If they've not received approval from dad, if they've not received approval from mom, they're not going to step into that career with any kind of confidence and believe that they can do a good job. Are you hearing me today? This is good stuff. This is practical. But it's taken right out of the scripture, right? So dad, it's going to be corny this last thing, but let me just say this. Uh, I, got, I, I got this from a, we were, Mark and I were looking at, or no, Amanda and I were looking at skit guy videos. That's what it was. And uh, some of the ones that I've bought over the years and Valentine's one from a couple years ago. And I was like, hey, that's going to work for this Sunday. But dad, you are a gift given to your children. Now, get ready for this. Your kids don't need presents. They don't need your presence. They need your presence. They don't need your presence with a T. Sometimes that's what we do. We try and do a buy our way into our kids' hearts. But they need your presence with a C. Do you understand what I'm saying? They need you to be there. To be there. And I understand the, the difficulty of of divorce and fractured homes and all of that. I understand that. But, but when you have a kid for a weekend, dad, or you have them for whatever time you're supposed to have them, be there. Don't you dare go golfing or take up something else with the guys because, you know, that came up. Because what the kid hears is, oh, that's more important to dad than I am. They need your presence with a C. And you can't make up with presence with a C with presence with a T. You can't go give them a gift that's going to make up for the fact that you that didn't value them and give them your time. Everybody said, well, I just want to spend some quality time with my child. I've discovered in life that quality time is a thing that happens in the middle of quantity time. And you can't just schedule it on Tuesday at 3 o'clock. It will happen, quality time will happen the more you give quantity time to your child. That's the gift that you're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Dads, let me encourage you with these words which Moses spoke by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he said this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. What does that mean? It means that your kids are going to pick up from the word of God that comes out of your mouth when you've spent time with them. Now, every time I speak a message like this, whether it's on Mother's Day or Father's Day, I realize we're dealing in a society with a lot of brokenness, right? We have a lot of people that come from broken homes, come from situations that are difficult. And and so a lot of times... Days like today are tough. Just like people who've lost a loved one find Christmas and Easter, Valentine's Day is tough. I know that sometimes people who've come from homes where dad wasn't there or where, you know, wasn't able to be who he needed to be find it tough. I remember the first number of years after my dad passed away when I was 29, I, Father's Day was a vacuum in my life. It was hard. It was a hard day because I mourned what I lost rather than what I had. And I understand that. 
I, I get that. And for you single moms that are working diligently out there, being both mom and dads, many times my, my heart goes out to you, my prayers are with you. And, uh, and all the more reason why, make sure you get your kids in the house of the Lord where they come into contact with men who will encourage them and, and speak into their identity and nurture them and uh, love them uh, in, a, in a way that, that God does because we want to help formulate an understanding of the perfect father that's God. And here's the thing. No matter how good your dad was, and my dad was a pretty decent fella. Made a lot of mistakes, but he was a decent fella. But no matter how good your dad is, there's no dad that's perfect except God the Father. Right. Amen? Sure. No dad's perfect but God the Father. And so we have two choices when we come to Father's Day. We can, we can sit there and go, well, you don't know what my dad was like. And you're right, I don't. Or you could sit there and say, yeah, well, my dad's not around. Maybe he's not. But here's what we can do when we come to Father's Day. We can say, God, the Bible says that you're a father who sticks closer than a brother. That you're a father who will never leave me and never forsake me. That you'll be with me through thick and through thin. That, you will, that, that our Heavenly Father has the ability to supernaturally fill in all of the voids and the holes where maybe dad is not or can't be. And so we don't sit here today going, oh my goodness, if, uh, if maybe we didn't have a good dad or dad's not in the picture, that everything's hopeless and everything's lost. Not the case at all. The songs we sang this morning were designed not by accident, but to encourage you that you can run to the Father again and again and again. Are you hearing me? That in the Father's house, in the Father's house we sang, that the story isn't over if the story isn't good. And failure is never final when the Father's in the room. Are you hearing me this morning? And so we're here this morning in the Father's house. In fact, there was a point when I wanted to change the name of the church to the, to the Father's house. Because it's so important to me that we understand how our Heavenly Father loves us. And despite the, the failures and the inadequacies that we may run into with our own parentage, our Heavenly Father's perfect. And here's my message to all the men here today. Listen to what I say as I close out this morning. Regardless of what kind of a childhood you had or whether your dad was good or whether he wasn't that great or whether he was there at all, you get a chance to create a new future right now. So I call on you, Dad. doesn't matter how, many, how old you are. doesn't matter how young you are. Some of you men here this morning, you're, you're not even married yet. You don't have a family and you're like, well, you're not preaching to me. Yes, I am. First of all, if you're a young man here, be the kind of woman, or man, I should say, be the kind of woman. <laughs> uh, be the kind of man that a woman of God would be attracted to. <laughs> That's what pastor meant to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Be the kind of man that a woman of God would be attracted to. I remember Dan Catrona telling me this story. He wouldn't mind me repeating it. But uh, many, many years ago, he, uh, when he was not really serving the Lord, he had a church down in California, but he wasn't really attending or 
wasn't plugged in and he came home and found his wife in a relationship with another guy after Dan had been on the road for I don't know how many weeks or whatever. He went to his pastor and talked to his pastor and he said, what do I do? And so they, after a long chat, he looked at Dan and he said, Dan, I don't know if your marriage is salvageable. He said, there's a lot of water under the bridge. A lot of you not being there. A lot of you not being the person that God meant for you to be. And uh, he said, and I don't know if God's going to fix it or not. He said, but this much I do know. You need to become a man of God. And he goes, and if you become a man of God and your wife is able to recognize that and your marriage is restored, then you're a man of God with your marriage restored. He said, but if your marriage is never saved, then you're a man of God for the woman that God will bring into your life going forward, which is exactly what happened. And Dan and Kenda got married and, and uh, had two beautiful boys. And Dan said, okay, that's what I'll do. And, and I want to say to you this morning, no matter where you are, be the man of God that God wants you to be. Be the spiritual leader that he wants you to be. Be the person that is there to speak into your child's life. And it doesn't matter. You might be sitting there going, yep, yeah, my kids are already moved to the house. That doesn't matter. Right. Become the man of God to them now that they see and recognize, and you'll get to be it also to, their grand, to your grandkids. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to do the right thing. Right. Become the man that God has called you to be. A few years ago, a Metro pastor I was meeting with and had a conversation with, and I'll close with this this morning. He told me that there were, are you ready for this? There are one million single mothers raising kids without their fathers in the GTA. That GTA goes from Oshawa around to the other end of Mississauga. About four or five million people, but a million moms raising kids without their dads. The question is, where are the fathers, the men who will lay down their lives and make sacrifices for their children? My wife and I often will look at each other when we're going to do something that we really don't want to do, and then we'll say to each other, you know, sometimes it gets tiring doing the right thing, but we never regret doing the right thing, no matter how hard it is sometimes. Brian Warren, former CFL football star and Promise Keeper uh, director here in Canada, he said, kids start pouring drugs in their veins when fathers stop putting hope in their dreams. You want me to repeat that for you? Yeah. Kids start pouring drugs in their veins when fathers stop putting hope in their dreams. And I would say to you that one of the huge reasons we have a, an epidemic of substance abuse in our country is because we have an epidemic of a lack of fathers pouring hope into the dreams of young men and young women in our country. So there's a call that I'm issuing today to dads to speak life over your children. Jesus' father did it. This is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Do it. This is my son or my daughter. This is my son or my daughter whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. This is my son or daughter, their identity. This is who they are. And they're part of this family and they're special and they've got this gift and they've got that. You know, I, a healthy parent's the one that's got the pictures out like this and they're talking about the kid this and the kid that and to the point where it's almost obnoxious and you're going, that kid is proud of their child. But when I hear them talking negatively about their child, my, my little sensors go out. If they're free to talk to me negatively about their child, what do they say to their child at home? 
And then speak words of affection over your son or daughter. Dad, tell them that you love them. Don't let them have to wait until their wedding day for you to say, I love you. Right? Hear it from them today. And then let them know that you approve of them. Just like our Heavenly Father said to Jesus, in whom I'm well pleased. Let them know that you're pleased with them. Let them know that you, you're impressed with the work that they did. Are you hearing me? When a child doesn't do a good job, they don't need to be chastised or berated. They need coaching. They need training. They don't need to be, you know, singled out and made to feel bad. Instead, they just need you to show them better how it happened, how to do it. Oftentimes, when a kid does a poor job, it's because they had poor training from parents. So if you give them better training, they'll do a better job. Right? Amen? We say it in the business community all the time. When someone underperforms, don't fire them, train them. Oh? Give them better training so they can become a better employee. Amen? Father, I just thank you for the truth that Lord Jesus had a heavenly Father who loved him. And Jesus, who was also God in in the flesh here on earth, received the words from his Father Words of identity, words of uh, affirmation, words of affection, words of approval from dad. And Lord, that we as fathers have an incredible power to do the same for our children today. And Father, I just ask that Lord, we would, no matter who we are in this room, we would take that calling that, uh, seriously. Even if we've never uh, been married or had children yet, Father, that we would recognize that God one day uh, we, hopefully we'll be in that place and we will seek to do that. And for dads who maybe felt like, man, I failed in the past, Father, today we start a new day. Right. Help us to do an incredible job moving forward with your help. And Father, that God, that the women in the church would feel the support of dads. And for the single moms in the church, they'd feel the support of other dads in this house. That Lord, they would, they would get reinforcement and they would get strength from those that walk with them through this uh, journey of life. And Father, that God, we can show uh, our world a better way as we do it your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Often we, when we have visitors come to the church, um, they'll comment about how many, how many men we have, how many young men we have. Um, just, and it is like we have such a strong core of men, and I... As a mom of the house, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being uh, honorable men. Thank you for being trustworthy. Thank you for being men who, who love your families and love God. I talked to my brother this week, and he said something that really got to me, and it was, it was a good thing. And he said, I am praying for more hunger for the things of God. And that's such a good desire for you to have uh, as men and women. It's such a good desire to have. I believe that as I was sitting there, I really felt Holy Spirit um, ask me to encourage you and affirm you as the amazing men that you are and the amazing men that you are becoming and that you stand out in society. You stand out in our community. Uh, You stand out. People will comment 
Um, we've lived in this community for 30-some years, so we hear lots of things. And business owners, we hear what a great job you do, how you don't leave the job undone. We hear what great employees you are and just how honorable you are and in giving a fair day's work uh, for what, you pay, what you're being paid. So I just wanted to honor you for that, but also to realize that that you are leading other men even in the community at your work. When other men are ditching their wives and saying things and you're the, the one who's speaking affirmation, you know, you, you can begin to shift those environments. You begin to shift those environments as you speak, and it's not you condemning the others or correcting, but it's you speaking life. As you speak words of life, it will produce more life. Amen. 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 <clears throat> My boys uh, like to joke with me, and they say, you know who the most beautiful woman in the church is? And I go, that's kind of a strange thing for them to ask me. I'm like, well, your mother. No, no, Jolie DeHaan, just ask Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So uh, all that bragging you do, Tom, is, is, is making an impact. And, uh, you know, but that's the way it should be. Amen? Yes. And that, but they, they joke about that. They say, oh, no, Jolie DeHaan, just ask Tom. And uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah. amen, that yeah. at the example they're getting from an older yeah. gentleman in the church is not somebody who talks negatively about their spouse, but who thinks they're the most beautiful person in the whole world. Yeah. Amen? Come on. Amen? Amen. Come on, I want everybody to stand this morning. My wife and I want to speak a blessing over the the men of the house. And we want to just release a mom and dad's blessing over you guys today. And so would you just put your hand uh, on a a, uh, shoulder or on his back today, any of them around the auditorium, and, uh, you know, just affirm them. Sarah, put your hand on on Barry's back there. Come on, that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) And we just want to pray a blessing over you today. Father, we are so grateful for the men that you have raised up in our midst today. Men who who love you, Lord, who, Father, want your best in their life. Father, who want to be the best dad that they can be, the best husband that they can be. Who, Father, want to affirm their family, their spouse, their friends, their neighbors. Father, I pray, God, that you would you would, by your Holy Spirit, bless them. That, Father, you would release your joy upon them. That, God, you would shine the light of your countenance upon them and give them peace as they step back into this world from this haven of worship today. And that, Father, that they would be uh, people... I know Father's Day is a day in which we're to celebrate dads, but, Father, we also want to celebrate uh, and let celebrity go through us to those that we encounter through the week. That, Father... As your men in this house, we would celebrate life, hope, and joy in others, and we would lift up. We would be a presence of God in our community. And Father, I release that in Jesus' name to every one of these men today. Amen. 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 Bless you. Go home, have some steak, have some barbecue, and we will see you next week. Next week, church barbecue. Don't forget it.